We're in Revelation chapter 3. We'll finish, um, finish up with the Laodiceans today. We'll have a class or two where we'll review while Sean is gone. Sean will start with Revelation chapter 4 when he gets back from uh, spring break. I want to finish up just maybe the last three verses or so of um, regarding the church at Philadelphia. <clears throat> we'll finish up our sixth stop here in about five minutes, and then we'll start on the Lord's seventh stop. Um, he started with Ephesus and went to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and then Laodicea. Before we get started, though, this morning, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a prayer, short prayer. <clears throat> Dear Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you so much for this uh, beautiful first day of the week. We've already heard a wonderful lesson this morning. We pray that we'll study from uh, your good book of Revelation and learn some lessons that can apply to us as even 2,000 years later. Thank you for Jesus who knows all, sees all, walks through the churches, and nothing's hidden from him, and we're thankful for, for that. Um, be with us now as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of, um, at the end of Revelation uh, 3, or toward the end, um, Jesus talks about a... Uh, uh, being a pillar, said you Philadelphians are pillars in the in the in the Lord's church, and in all of these seven churches of Asia, were there pillars? Were there big temples? Even in yes, so they understood what a sixty or seventy foot, some cases maybe even taller pillars were in all the temples of their gods, little G. So so they had a, they, they knew what that meant when the Lord said. You'll be a pillar. I want you to be a pillar in the church, and you are. And uh, <clears throat> if you would turn over to um, to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter six, and I want to just read a few verses there. Uh, Paul, if he was the writer, he may or may not have been. Um, Hebrews 6, look at some of the, the terminology when he's talking about us as members of the church. Um, of course, who's the chief cornerstone in, 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 the, in, the, in the church? That, of course, that's Jesus. Everything's built on, on the cornerstone. And he says, uh, I know I'm kind of getting in the, um, I, I meant to say 1 Peter 2, my, I'm sorry. 1 Peter, we're going to go to Hebrews 6 later. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, he talks about um, being uh, living stones. Being living stones. And I'm having a tough time finding that this morning. I had it written down. 1 Peter what? Okay, verse 4. I was in the right book. had the right string, but the wrong yo-yo. Um, 1 Peter 2, never mind. There we go. 1 Peter 2. He talks about, uh, you know, that as newborn babies, you, you need to push 
aside all of the, the stuff um, that, that, you've, that you've learned and, and start growing and start moving on. And he talks about Jesus in verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now notice, you also, <clears throat> as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to talk about the chief cornerstone laid in Zion that was, um, um, that was in the Old Testament, uh, Joel and other places. So they certainly understood what, what it meant to be, a, to be a pillar in the church, that they were living stones. It was built on Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Um, Let's look now. I just want to bring up, bring that up um, as we as we finish up in Philadelphia. Well, what was <clears throat> what was said bad about uh, Philadelphia? Anything no. was not. Now, as we get into Laodicea, what was said good about Laodicea? <laughs> not not one thing really uh, about Laodicea that I can find. Did the Lord have anything good to say? In fact, it's the only church that he didn't have some good to say. There were two churches he didn't have anything negative to say about them, Smyrna and Philadelphia. And the other churches, he had some good things to say about them. Now he said, but I have this against you. There's Laodicea, I don't see anything. I don't see anything there. Laodicea is only about uh, 40 miles, uh, let me go back, 40 miles southeast of Philadelphia. <clears throat> That's a, give you some perspective. That's 40 miles. Laodicea is about 100 miles to where we started. So as we go make our loop, which we have done, we're down now to Laodicea, 100 miles across. We said roughly a couple of hundred miles. The mail route went this way, uh, his history says. And the, you know, Patmos is right down uh, over here. It's only about 90 miles to Ephesus, and <clears throat> more than likely that, that's where the, the, this letter comes ashore. So the people at Ephesus, they got to read about all these other churches too, which is interesting. They just didn't get the Ephesus part. Let's tear out one page of the scroll. You get Ephesus. No. No, they got the whole deal these seven churches. So as they're coming around, you know, people at Pergamum are reading about Ephesus and, and so on, and Thyatira, when you get to Laodicea, they're reading about uh, 40 miles away a church in Philadelphia. There was nothing negative said. Well, what happened to us? How come we, we get this? We thought we were in good shape. We're going to talk a good bit about that this morning. Well, what we think and what the Lord thinks, as we saw this morning in Sean's sermon, uh, we can't put God in that box. Can't do it. So <clears throat> Laodicea, <clears throat> very wealthy city. And these two cities here, this is um, 11 miles, if I remember right. This is about six miles um, to Colossae, or to Hierapolis, Hierapolis and Colossae. And a very wealthy city. They had a major, this area right here had a major earthquake in 61 A.D. We saw one in 14 A.D. 
that just wiped out all the people over here 100, 200 miles away. But in 61, it totally uh, devastated this area. And Laodicea, <clears throat> in fact, let me ask the question. How did uh, some of the other churches uh, view Rome's help? Did they welcome it? Did, were there, were there um, taxes rebated for a period of five, six, seven years? They were. Laodicea said, no thanks. We're good. We're good here. Don't need your help. That just, I think, is reflective of their, of their attitude, which we're going to get into here in just a little bit. So Laodicea, uh, very, very wealthy. As you can see, roads going, going west uh, toward uh, Rome. You've got roads going east toward Syria. And, you know, uh, of course, Israel down in here. Uh, very, very, uh, very, very trade-oriented uh, trade people. They were one of the few places, as best I could tell, maybe the only place, I, there might have been somewhere else, where they had black wool. And they had a whole industry of, of, that dealt with black wool, spinning the yarn and selling on these trade routes uh, black wool. Very, very wealthy. It was, the city had a lot of that type industry. They, they also had a medical school there, and they were noted for their ISAV, and the Lord's going to get on to that. I'm bringing that up now because it'll make sense here in a little bit. Um, the collyrium was the, was the um, substance that they would use for their eyes, and they also had something that was good for their ears, uh, supposedly. So they were noted for that. They were noted for their hot springs, and we're, well, that's going to come into play here in a little bit, little bit as well. So they were a financial center. They, they were noted for their banking, um, a, a banking center, you know, like a New York kind of a thing, or even a smaller scale, maybe a Pittsburgh, which is noted for its banking you know, today in this country, and others. There are others. So they had a lot going on, and they, they were very, very wealthy, and it doesn't appear that they were being Persecuted. Wonder why? They weren't doing anything. You're generally not persecuted if you're not doing much as a Christian, whether it's an individual or as a, or as a church. Um, now, <clears throat> before we get into the verses, I want to bring this out. Hierapolis, good way to remember this, uh, noted for their hot springs. Get it? H hot. Sea, coal, that's the way I remember that kind of stuff. Colossae was coal, water. We were in uh, Jackson Hole a, a couple of times, but a few years ago, we were on a snowmobile tour, and our guide, we've been going for hours and hours, it was beautiful, in the Grand Tetons. And the, and the guy said, bring your bathing suit, your swimsuit. <laughs> well, it's zero. And we're... we're and we are knee deep and snow was way over the heads. We, we were driving through places where the snow was over the 10 feet tall, maybe, drifts. And so we, we, we were just worn out. So we get, to, we get to this place and here are hot springs. So we had a little place there actually where you could get into the hot springs and what a wonderful feeling. And keep in the word the mind's useful 
beneficial, helpful, and it was all of those things to us with our uh, aching uh, bones after riding a snowmobile all day. Hot water, extremely hot water, felt wonderful. That's Hierapolis. Colossae, you know Smoky Mountains in the summertime? Been there many times, lived there for a while. And the, the cold water coming out of the side of a mountain that you could drink, literally. Or you could catch trout. You know, trout won't live in hot water. Right, Stan? Got to have cold water. So they got cold water. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Well, <clears throat> I'm not a coffee drinker, but do you like hot coffee? Got to be hot, doesn't it? Although some people say they drink iced coffee today. I don't know what that means exactly, but <laughs> they say it's wonderful. I don't know. But it's hot or cold. It's hot or cold. Uh, our food, well, you can eat some cold pizza. I wouldn't go that far, but generally we like our food hot or we like our food cold. We don't like it lukewarm. And now this water, this hot water, when it would make this, this is either 11 miles or that's 11 miles. The other is six. Now, I, honestly, I don't remember that. But anyway, six, seven, eight, ten miles. By the time that hot water got down to Laodicea, had it cooled off some, they knew exactly what that meant, the Christians there. And they knew exactly what cold water, the benefits of cold water. It's hard to drink lukewarm water. If you're thirsty enough, you will, but everybody loves, loves their water cold. So the Lord's going to take um, ISAV, he uses the word buy for me, buy two or three times. They knew what purchasing was. It was an industrial center. It was a banking center. Buy for me, and then a few verses down, buy for me, this and that. Um, so they knew what, what that was. They knew what the hot was, hot, the benefits and, uh, of hot water and the benefits of cold water and, and that kind of thing. So that's a little bit of a background as we get into to um, the book or the uh, letter to the Laodiceans. One other quick stop. Go to Colossians 4. Colossians 4, probably around verse 12. Yeah, Colossians 4 and verse 12. Now, how did the church start it at Laodicea, Colossae, Hierapolis? Don't know. But the Lord leaves us a little clue. As Sean said, we, we kind of can peek behind the curtain a little bit. If he wanted us to know it, he would have said it. But there are some breadcrumbs that he dropped along the way. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 12. We'll read three or four verses here. Epaphras, who is one of you. Is that a clue? He's one of you. So he's from that area. So that's Epaphras from the area. Was one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greet you all, greet you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfectly and complete in all the will of God. I just find this an oh by the way kind of thing. The Lord says Epaphras labors fervently for you. How was he laboring, at least in this verse, how was he laboring for them? By doing what? Praying for them. 
I find it real interesting. So I'll be praying for you. I'll be, well, first of all, are you? We see that, well, and we see it on Facebook and all that. I'll be praying for you and your family. Do you? I think sometimes it's just words. But he says, I'm laboring. Epaphras is laboring for you because he's praying for you. Does prayer have effect? Does prayer have power? Yes, it does. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you. And those who are in notice, who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis, we just saw that. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and Nympha, and the church that is in her house. Some say it could be her house, and the word Nympha, and, and in others, it has Nymphos, and in his house. I leaned toward it was, a, it was in a lady's house in that area named Nympha. But anyway, that's Colossians. So we get just a bit, little bit. We know Paul wrote the book of Colossians. We know that. But possibly Epaphras was major, major influencer, if not the person who helped start the churches in that area. Okay, so now we'll get into, uh, let's see, I've already touched on that. That last point there we'll talk about. Um, the church there became very worldly-minded. It became a very compromising kind of church. What do you think, based on some of the things were, that you have read and we've studied so far, what was their, could have been their major, their major issue there? Compromising why, do you think? Much money? I'll go with that one. What else? Okay, depending on Rome a lot and their customs and that kind of thing. It seems like they were like a capital of a group of cities or something. Uh, it was a very influential. I remember the word that they used, but some kind of a leadership of a group of cities that had to do with Rome. Council. Okay, council could be. I didn't read that, but it could be. Could be. Lance. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Anything else? I think some more things will come out. Yes, sir. They were very self-assured, very self-confident. Yes. Bingo, right there. Very self I'm coming. Very self-assured, very confident. Someone might say arrogant. Comfortable. Uh, yes, ma'am. Lisa. They were trusting in other things. And what can God do and what does he do in a lot of cases when you start trusting too much in stuff? I'll bring you down, he says. I'll bring you down. He can take it away. You get to trusting too much. I've been there. Uh, I saw one other hand. Ryan? No? Okay. Well, let's get into the verse studies here then. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right. 
These things says the amen, the faithful and true witnesses, witness, sorry, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, who's he, who's he speaking of there? Jesus, no question. What does John 1 and verse 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he talks about how Jesus created uh, the world, he and, he and the Father. So they don't have any, any, any problem here understanding who's talking right here. He doesn't say, no, this is Jesus, by the way. Well, they've already read the whole book or, or, the, or the whole letter of the seven churches. So he just kind of wording this in a, in, a diff, in a different way. He says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I could wish that you were hot or cold. Now, interesting. I don't believe that, that Jesus would ever say, I, I wish that you were just a heathen and you were just as wicked as you can be. In other words, cold. I just don't believe he, he means that at all. A person who is, as our brother said back there, who is confident, self-assured, comfortable, um, or they, at least they think they're comfortable, how amenable are they to the truth of the gospel in many cases? I don't need anything. We're good here. Versus someone who has fallen away, who's ice cold, and eventually reaches rock bottom. What is his or her attitude generally? Now they can keep going. But is, does, will the gospel have an effect upon them? More so. More so. And, and that's just not only me saying that, but that's, uh, that's, what, that's what the Lord said. Go to Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 6. I don't want to read a few verses there. Hebrews 6. We'll start with verse 1 just to get a context a little bit. And the Lord says that. In addition to 2 Peter 2 where he talks about... Remember the dog returning to the vomit and, and, and the sow to the washing and, and so on. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Lord says, you ought to know that by now. You know what baptism's about as, a new, as, as new Christians. Why are you still talking about all that? That's basically what he's saying. And this we will do if God permits. Now notice, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them uh, again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, he, when, you, when you see the, the, the context of this, he doesn't say that if you fall away, it's impossible for you to ever, ever come back. But he's saying that First of all, that you can fall away. Very clearly, you can fall away. We've talked about that before, but the, 
the once saved, always saved is refuted over and over and over in the New Testament. Um, but it's hard to, to repent, to, to, to come back, to be renewed, even though it's what the Lord is, is saying here to the Laodicean church, if you don't feel like you need it or if it doesn't apply to you. Now, it applies to other people. It just doesn't apply to me, they could be saying. The prodigal son, Luke 15, I believe. Luke 15. He fell away. Would you say he was cold to the Lord? When he reached rock bottom, what did he realize? What did he say? Was he comfortable? You know, I've got it pretty good here. I've got a, at least a pig barn warm. And occasionally I get a piece of apple pie. You know, it's, it's not too bad. No, 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 no. He was not comfortable at all like the Laodiceans were. He knew he needed to go back to the Father. And the, was the Father looking for him? Yes, he was. In fact, what did the Father do? He ran toward him. He was very pleased. When he saw him coming, you've got to come on your own. But when the Lord saw him coming, God saw him coming, he went to him in that parable. So just make sure you understand when it's cold and hot. So I wish you'd just as soon get hot or cold because if you're cold, at least you're amenable to coming back. You Laodiceans are way, way too comfortable. And you don't see the need for any change. Anybody disagree with that? But you see the point. That's the main thing here, I think, is to see, see the point. Uh, yes, sir? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. And we had a brother here from India. He was a member here a couple of years. Arun, really good guy. Had to go back to India. And before he left, he, he had an interesting, interesting comment to me. He said, hey, brother, I hope it doesn't happen in this country, but I got a feeling in 20 years we'll be sending missionaries here from India. Because you're on a road to falling away. Because you're too comfortable. Had a brother in, uh, he's one of the elders of the church at Priscilla Street, which uh, the church here helps support. And he pulled me aside one time, one day afternoon. I think I've told the story, but not everybody's heard it. But anyway, it won't take but a second. He said, Brother Mitch, he said, <clears throat> our lives here are never going to get better. Physically, we know that. 
bathrooms on the street, and you're drinking the water down the street, dirt roads. He said, our lives are never going to get better here. The Lord is all we've got. He's all we've got, and we're clinging to him. And I'll never forget that. We've gotten too comfortable. And the Lord, I think, probably in the process of shaking that up. Who knows? Pray not, but it could be. That was what was happening here. They got way too comfortable in the little Roman city. The church is gone. We were there at 150. They're having over 300 every week now. Standing on the streets, hanging from windows, trying to listen to the gospel. Um, don't get too comfortable. We need to be busy about the Lord's work. Good point, Sean. He says, I know your work. You're neither hot or cold. <clears throat> I wish you were hot or cold, cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, and we've already determined that's not a nice taste, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, is that a pretty picture? No, it's, no, it's not. Peter said that in 2 Peter 2, verse 20, 20, 21, 22, about a person who turns back like a, like a dog returning to its vomit. We've all seen that. And a hog returned into its cleaning. Just gets dirty again. The Lord said one time, he said, you can't put a, a gold ring in a pig's nose. It's going to turn right around and rend you and get back in the mud. So he says, basically, the Lord saying, you're making me sick now with this being lukewarm. They thought they were fine. How many times have we thought we were fine and we were not? Lord says, you better get fine. You better get fine. And you better look in the mirror. Because you say, I'm rich. I become wealthy and have need of nothing. Can you imagine speaking to the Lord like that? You may not be saying it, but you're, you're, you're living it. I have need of nothing. And do, do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Don't you know that? Evidently, they didn't. They didn't. Now, here they are. And, of course, they know, we talked about the blind and all of that, the clothing, the black wool. It says you're, you, you've got, you take great pride in all this black wool and all the products that come from that. You're naked. You have this uh, calerium that makes your eyes clean, you know, all of that. You can't even see you're so blind. And he said, I counsel you to buy. There's that word again. You're a big merchant. You're a big banking center. You understand commerce, buying and selling, producing and consuming. You understand all that. I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in fire. That you may be rich. You think you're rich. You're not. But you can be rich spiritually. And white garments, and what does that imply? We've seen that already. Purity. Uh, they, they said, you're not, remember at Sardis, he said, some of you are walking, you walk with me in white garments. Well, if, if he says you need to go buy white garments, what's the implication? You're not wearing white garments. You're not pure. 
You think you are, but you're not. In Matthew 7, are there going to be a lot of surprised people on the, on, on the judgment day, according to Matthew 7? Religious people? Yeah. yeah. Lord, wait a minute, excuse me, sir. Uh, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and your name, my name done many wonderful works and done all these things? These were religious people. And they're surprised, evidently. And the Lord says, I don't know you. Move aside. Keep moving. Keep the line going. He says, buy white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. You have this great pride. You should be shameful. You should be shamed. And all this great swelling pride that you appear to have. Oh, my. You're 180 degrees from there that uh, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. You got this? Okay. I know about your salve. I made the, everything to make the salve out of, by the way, uh, when I created all of this. I know about your salve. Uh, how about putting it on your eyes so you can see spiritually, if you will? Now, notice this. Now, if he stopped right there, we might as well go home if you're in that church. But he doesn't stop. As many as I love, so what's the implication? As many as I love, he loved them. Even with all of this, he loved them. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. The Lord will rebuke you. And the Lord will chasten you. We saw that in Job 38, 39, 40, and 41, or we, we will. Job, patience had run out a little bit, and he started questioning God. Didn't sin, as Sean said. But the Lord said, okay, step up. Got 100 questions here for you. If you can answer it, I'll, 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 I'll give you my reply. And how did Job reply to that at the end? Well, I do have this one. No. Put his hand over his mouth. Sir, I got nothing to say. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous. What does zealous mean? That's the root word, zeal. Fired up. Who said that? That's right. Get fired up. We were at soccer games yesterday. You got to get fired up. <clears throat> he said, get fired up. Now, <clears throat> pardon me, go to Romans 10. Paul says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that you might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Can you have zeal? without knowledge. Yes, you can. So he's saying, be zealous the right way. The Jews were zealous in Romans 10, but they weren't as zealous according to the scriptures and the way God wants it. So he's saying, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous. And the big one, repent. Five of the seven churches, he said, you must repent. Repent. 
Are they sorry they got caught? Or are they, are they truly sorry and repent? Uh, repentance requires what? Action. Proof. Fruits of repentance. Will he know if, if they're legit? Yeah. It's not like some, some repentance we've seen on TV the last few days. If I've done anything. I always, always hate it when you start that way. You don't repent of anything. If I have offended you, I'm sorry. No, you're not. And so on and so on and so on. He's saying that you show me fruits of repentance. You have to change. You have to change. And he said, I love you. You can do it. You can do it. But you've got to repent. Now notice this. Behold, I stand at the door and... Knock. Well, does the Lord have the right to kick that door open and come in if he wants to? He sure does. He doesn't do that, does he? What's the implication of that? It's free will, and I, and I heard some other good ones too. You've got to open the door. It's, it's a free will thing. The Lord said, I'm knocking, but I'm not forcing my way in. You're, otherwise, you're, you're nothing more than, than howdy doody. Well, if you're under 50, you don't know what that means. But uh, you're, you're nothing more than a marionette, a uh, Sean don't like. Well, I know you don't. You're nothing more than a puppet. You got that one? You got that one. You're not, uh, some others got it. They got the howdy doody thing. Um, Judy got it back there. I see her. Um, you're nothing more than a puppet, but you have to open the door. And if you open the door, I'll come in. And I'll dine with you. I will sup with you. I'll have supper with you. Which in the, in the Middle Eastern, well, even today, um, a lot of things revolve around eating, don't they? When people come over, and it certainly did in the Middle East, still does in the Middle East big time. Don? Two fellas are now in this area, probably from Colossae. One of them is Philemon, the other is Onesimus. You've got the master, the rich guy, and you've got the slave who has nothing. But it was that gentle persuasion that changed them both. Paul said, I could force you to do this, but I, I, I just want to leave you with this and see that you're both brothers. And, you know, it's That's right. That's very good. It's exactly right. The Lord wants us to, one at a time, get on our knees and, and come to him of our own free will. <clears throat> when we were children, my sister's here, our mother says, you're going to church. We're going to church every Sunday. And, you know, you're little guys. I... I'm looking through the window, and I got my buddies playing baseball across the field there. Oh. But eventually, the faith becomes your faith. Or it better. It better. Or are you, are you never going to be all in? It's got to become your faith, not your parents. Um, 
looking back, you know, you're thankful for your mother to do all of that. Uh, maybe when you didn't want to. But eventually you come to the Lord on your own or you don't come at all. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Get a visual of that. Can you imagine the inauguration when Jesus went back to heaven? Can you imagine that? And he sat down next to his father on his right hand, on his throne. And he says, I'm going to let you do that too. He who hasn't here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. That's the seven churches of Asia. Now there's another city that we're going to talk about because I got, I have two more, right, Sean, before you get back. One of them, you know, the, the, the Revelation talks about another city. What's it called? It could be Zion, the new Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that city too. As we review, we're going to go back and review, take one class, and we're going to review the seven churches real quickly. And then we're going to talk about the other city that the Lord mentions, and that's the New Jerusalem that we all want to get to one day. We've got three minutes, and we, we've kind of hit these along the way, so probably won't do too much. God knows our works. There's no hiding, and we don't have to 